Good afternoon, Lafayette. Be careful out there. It's windy. Driving up here was a little bit of a nightmare. It hadn't even started raining yet. We are going to be seeing some rain hitting there. Already some sprinkles kind of hitting us here and there. But there is a big old orange line on the radar right now, and it is heading our way. Looking at the radar, we can expect about 335 or so right as we get to our bottom of the hour news. Uh, we can expect to see some of that hardest weather hitting just the outskirts of Lafayette and moving through. Uh, currently, severe thunderstorm warnings in the area until around 4 o'clock. We will be keeping an eye on that. I'm looking outside the big tree swaying right over where my car is parked and getting a little nervous. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. It is a historic day for Louisiana. The second ever veto override session ends with the first ever veto override in a veto override session in Louisiana. And the first time we've had a GOP override of a Democratic governor's veto. That is in itself pretty historic. Uh, But there is a lot going on behind the scenes on this. This is a pretty big deal, not just because the Republican legislature won, but now we're probably going to see some floodgates open up. It's going to be uh, pretty nasty out there right now. So if you remember a couple days ago, and in fact, I know uh, Moongrafan was talking about it this morning, uh, the congressional delegation, not very happy right now. It looks like uh, Representative Garrett Graves got involved in the redistricting process. So if you recall, Sharon Hewitt in the Senate uh, drew up a really good map. Uh, As far as Republicans were concerned, it was a really good map. Goes to the Senate. Well, the Senate allows Speaker Clay Schecksneider to swap out that map with one of his own. It splits a couple parishes, St. Mary and St. Martin Parish, splits Morgan City like three ways, uh, cuts out chunks of Clay Higgins' district, restructures some things, and gives Garrett Graves a more favorable district. Uh, I am told the congressional delegation is not happy with Graves right now. The the Republicans in the congressional delegation not happy with Graves at all right now. So we'll see how that plays out. It's very reminiscent to me of how the... Republican congressional delegation about 11 years ago uh, got really upset with Charles Bustani when he got involved and made sure the legislature cut, legislature cut a map that was extremely favorable to him and hurt a lot of the others, especially Jeff Landry, who, as you recall, we lost a congressional district that year. And it put the new map put uh, Jeff Landry and Charles Bustani into the same district, but the map favored Bustani and gave him the win over Landry there. Uh, but then you look at it, Bustani is no longer in power, and Jeff Landry is going to make a, a pretty decent run at governor here next year. So kind of shades of 2010-2011 in that congressional redistricting session and the fight that's come out since then. Sheck Snyder, though, basically undercut the rest of his party to draw a map that he liked more. And you heard Moon this morning, if you were listening to his show, um, it's... It's, it's kind of a bittersweet victory right now for Republicans. The Republicans got to override John Bill Edwards' veto, but at the cost of upsetting most of the Republican congressional delegation, I'm told it's not just Clay Higgins, but a lot of them are really upset right now. Um, and you have uh, the, the Republicans in the legislature were needlessly divided by Clay Schecksneider's move here. And it's one of those situations where, yay, we win, but at what cost? And in fact, 
what I want to do, um, we're going to take a break, a little bit of an early break here in a minute. I'm going to have my buddy Scott McKay from the Hayride join us. And, and Scott, you know, he's on the ground in Baton Rouge. He's heard a lot more than I have. He can be able to fill in some of those gaps for us. But right now, we're looking at not just a storm outside of us right now, but a storm brewing in Baton Rouge. 232-1542. Not this coming break, but after the bottom of the hour news break, if you have opinions, you want to call in and share those, you can call in here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Told you guys in the last segment by buddy Scott McKay, uh, publisher at The Hayride, is joining us this segment. So, Scott, we've had a historic day here in Louisiana, our second veto override session and our first uh, veto override to come from one. So you've heard a lot more about this than I have. You're you're on the ground there, and the storm hasn't. Well, the the physical storm hasn't hit, but uh, hasn't hit there yet. But I think that the storm inside the Capitol is still brewing. What's going on over there? Well, we'll see. Um, you know what what happened today was, like you said, it is a historic thing. They got seventy two votes in the House to override John Bell Edwards' veto of the congressional redistricting map. Um, and, you know, what's there's a number of layers to this. The, the sort of outside layer to it is that John Bell and the Democrats desperately wanted a second political fiefdom for a Democrat congressman or congresswoman. Uh, Troy Carter is not enough, and so... You know, and they're going to sue now that uh, the veto has been overridden and there's an actual congressional, official congressional map uh, to try to get a second majority minority Democrat district. Um, You know, that's not going to happen. I mean, you can just look at who the courts are all the way up and nobody is going to give these people a second majority uh, uh, minority district. So you're going to have a district map that looks somewhat similar to the one we currently have. This map looks somewhat similar to the uh, the one we you know currently have, uh, with some minor changes that caused a whole lot of trouble in certain places and with certain members of both the legislature and the congressional delegation. And it's really been messy. Um, and today, it was kind of a surprise that you had all of the Republicans. Uh, one Democrat in Francis Thompson, who might as well go ahead and switch parties because he pretty much caucuses with the Republicans now. And then all three of the independents in the legislature uh, came over and voted for the override. And the real question there is, what did these three independents get for their vote? And, you know, the storm may may depend on the, the revelations of what that was. So I'm, I want to talk about let's first let's go to the 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 interparty fighting here because this is what I was kind of mentioning in the last segment. A lot of this seemed like it was a fight among Republicans that could have been avoided had Clay Shexnader not tried to pull a fast one by swapping out the maps. What I I, I I've heard some theories on what his logic may be here. What do you think is kind of behind that move to take a good map that Sharon Hewitt was pushing and swap it out with his own that that split parishes and, and messed up districts. What What's the logic there? Well, as I understand it, um, uh, th- this was something that, you know, whether it was Garrett Graves or people in his office or whatever, uh, wanted, uh, you know, to, to rearrange the map some from what 
what was at the time sort of a consensus um, uh, thing that Sharon Hewitt was putting together, and they got Sheck Snyder to bring his own bill uh, that you know ultimately was the map. And particularly the fact that this thing kind of splits up St. Martin and St. Mary parishes, uh, I think it draws a line through the middle of Morgan City, um, and that got a lot of people, you know, to hot under the collar, particularly Clay Higgins, mm-hmm. um, you know, who wasn't happy with that. And uh, as I understand it, Mike Johnson's people aren't nuts about it. Steve Scalise's people aren't nuts about it. I don't even. I don't think Julia Letlow was that nuts about it. Although I don't. It doesn't sound like she got all that involved in this. Um, so it was kind of like the whole delegation against Garrett Graves, and Chuck Snyder pushed Garrett Graves' position, and that's why you have so many people angry. And, I, you know, to me, what I can't understand is, hey, look, you weren't going to do a second majority-minority district. You were going to make the districts pretty similar to what they are now, which, you know, you're going to have to adjust them based on population changes and so forth. Right. You basically needed to make five people happy, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to do. I mean, you get all of the, the, the five Republican uh, con, uh, congressmen or congresswomen in, in Julia Letlow's case, you get them or their representatives together, and you hash it out, and then that's your map. And the fact that this was not done and you had to you know come back at the last minute uh, and, and move some neighborhoods or some precincts or wards around the – to satisfy, you know, something that that was not agreed on uh, in advance, like that's not the smart way to do things. Um, and so you had a lot of this intra-party drama. Um, you know, Stuart Caffey, the state senator from up in Monroe, is tweeting that Blake Miguez needed to be removed as the House uh, Republican delegation leader, which I don't think has any. Um, particular chance of happening. I mean, like, these are the kinds of things that absolutely should not be happening while you're trying to override a, gov- a Democrat governor's veto. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it worked out, but it was a mess. And I, what I'm worried about are some of the rumors of what some of these independents that came uh, across to vote for the override, like what they're getting. I mean, there's one rumor that said Julia Letlow had to promise to endorse Melinda White as parish president in Washington Parish, um, you know, when she runs, I guess, next year, she's not going to run for re-election to the legislature. And, you know, no Republican should want Melinda White anywhere near an executive position in government. I mean, that's that's a scary thing that you really don't want to have happen because she's unhinged. Remember, this is the one that threatened to shoot Alan Seabaugh. Yeah, I do remember Um, that. You know, and I mean, I'm not blaming Julia Letlow for, you know, doing that. This is like you get in a situation where this woman has power over, you know, Republicans in the legislature that she can, you know, make demands like that and and get them satisfied. I mean, you're doing it wrong if that's the case. What I'm hoping is whatever deal they, they cut with her, they renege on because Melinda White is not worthy of, you know, moving up from the state legislature to a parish president's job. And I don't know what Roy Darrell Adams got, and he really scares me because Roy Darrell Adams' district was basically obliterated to make it a majority-minority, uh, you know, black Democrat district. And of course, he's a, a a white independent who's really a white Democrat. Um, you know, so for him to come across and vote for an override when he wouldn't vote for an override on the girls' sports bill last year, 
I, I, I'm worried that you know Roy Darrell Adams got given the store. Ooh. And that's, you know, to me, that's kind of scary. I mean, if this guy wants, uh, you know, an easy ride for a state Senate seat and, and now we're going to clear the field so that he can run for that, you know, that, that's scary. You're, you're now going to leave people who really don't need political power uh, in positions of doing it just to win a veto override that, you know, produces a map not everybody in the state GOP is happy with. I, I, one of the things, and, and I wrote about it today at Red State, I'm not convinced that Republicans like Sheck Snyder actually want to be in power. Like they don't like it. We've heard the rumors. Sheck Snyder wants to run for lieutenant governor. He's talking about it all over town. He doesn't want to be in the legislature after this next election, presumably because there's actually going to be a Republican governor there. Do you, does, does a guy like Clay Sheck Snyder actually want to be the guy in charge when Republicans can get stuff done? Or does he just want to be the guy in charge of an opposition where he can't get anything done, but he can fundraise off of it? I mean, what's the logic by, with the leadership that we've been getting out of Baton Rouge from the Republican side? Well, I, what, what I would say is let's not give Clay Sheck Snyder too much credit. Um, you know, since he's been the House Speaker, uh, he's been reflexively defensive of the status quo. Um, and when he's opposed John Bell Edwards, it's usually happened as a result of kind of two factors. Number one is uh, Clay Sheck Snyder is personally insulted or lied to. Uh, and so he kind of feels like it's, it's his personal honor that requires him to uh, oppose John Bell Edwards. Like, you know, I, the perfect example of that is, this investigative committee that was formed to work on the Ronald Green case, mm -hmm. right? Because John Bell told Clay Sheck Snyder that Green died in a car wreck rather than getting beat to death by the state police on a roadside, right? Right. Um, and Clay didn't like that, so, you know, he, he gets all fired up and he goes and appoints this committee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other thing is uh, when it starts to become a situation where everybody is trashing Clay Sheck Snyder on the right, like, for example, with... Uh, the uh, petitions to reopen the state when Edwards had, you know, done all of his COVID lockdowns and, and so forth. And people started chafing at that. And so they started screaming at Sheck Snyder. And he finally, you know, realized that he was in a politically untenable position. You know, barring that, what you'll see from Sheck Snyder is a whole lot of very status quo uh, behavior. So much so that, you know, people have talked about you know, the fact that he has this uh, leading Louisiana, which is this kind of C4 organization that's a little bit of a dark money thing. And, you know, there's all these people that, that make these accusations that this is a way for folks to shuffle money into, um, you know, Sheck Snyder and Paige Cortez's hands. Um, and sort of the corporate status quo crowd can kind of buy influence through that. I don't know if that's true. I know there's a ton of people at the legislature who say it. Um, and he hasn't really done a lot to answer any of those questions. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know that Clay Sheck Snyder has ever really conceived much of a leadership style. It's just kind of, okay, I'm in this position and let's see what I can get out of it. You know, and of course he's termed out after this cycle. So the question for him is, is, you know, does he move on to the state Senate? Can he get elected to the state Senate? Um, you know, or does he go run for lieutenant governor? At one point he was talking about running for agriculture commissioner. 
but he, you know, he doesn't have any chance of beating Mike Strain for that job. So, you know, I think largely he's just looking for a place to land. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to find one, but it's, you know, it's really interesting that, you know, you have a guy who's in such an, uh, uh, you know, an interesting position as the speaker of a house that's dominated by Republicans, and yet he's never fully embraced his role as a Republican speaker of a Republican House, and he still, you know, uh, canoodles with Democrats and independents in the legislature and alienates the conservatives. All right, Scott, we got about less than a minute left. Just real quick, uh, you mentioned, you know, this gets taken to the courts, but it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, what... What do you think is uh, like? What do you think is going to be the final decision by uh, the courts, and, and how they're going to rule on this particular congressional map? Well, I, the map is going to stand. Um, you, you know, the Supreme Court's uh, preliminary decision in the Alabama case is kind of on point here, so that you know that's going to control. And this map is is pretty good to go. The question is, will these court cases take us past qualifying? Uh, so that the fall's elections are going to work off of the old congressional map, and this doesn't actually um, come into to, uh, to effect until 2024. That's kind of the real thing to watch out for. Scott McKay, publisher at The Hayride. Scott, thank you very much for uh, joining us here Thanks, today Joe. on this historic day. Have a, great, have a great one, man. See you soon. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a bottom-of-the-hour news break. When we come back, your calls on this historic moment here in Louisiana, 232-1542, if you'd like to call in and join the conversation. This is Joe Cunningham, and we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL, 232-1542, if you want to call in. Again, the big news of the afternoon, uh, the veto override uh, session is a success for Republicans. They were able to get... Uh, a veto override of John Bell Edwards' veto of the congressional maps passed in the recent uh, redistricting session. That, of course, is uh, expected to go before the courts, and there will be a court battle on that now. If you want to call in and talk about that, feel free. We've got Renee joining us on the line. Renee, how are you today? Okay, I want to make uh, two comments. One, the reason why the uh, Republicans are so lefty it's, it's a reflection of the generations. I mean, uh, you got all these elements that program the people of today, what they think is conservative. Hell, the dawn, the dawn of progressiveness. Uh, you know, Roosevelt himself would have put half these people in jail for what they're doing, even the Republicans, because that's how liberal America has become. Everything from cartoons to movies to TV shows to the schooling. What you think is right-wing and Republican, sometimes like, eh, kind of on the, the, I don't know, the middle of, of what used to be liberalism. And another thing, women in politics and judges. You know, on the History Channel, you got your Margaret Thatcher's, your Golden Myers of Israel, Catherine the Great, Bodeca of Britain fighting the Romans, and many others. They're prodigies. They're great women. Great women like that. I like working with them, and I like them. But for the most part, I don't know what it is about women. They are not impartial judges. They're too emotional. And a lot of times, they're downright stupid politicians. They just can't help it. All right, uh, Renee, thank you very much for the call. 232-1542 if you want to call in. Uh, I... 
Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at this info that's coming in from Baton Rouge. Uh, one of the biggest critics from inside the legislature uh, when it came to the map. Now, remember, again, the map that we're fighting over right now is not the map that actually the majority of the Republicans were okay with. It is the map that Clay Schechtsnyder put forward that everybody just kind of shrugged and went along with. But you had uh, Blake Miguez, who is the chair of the GOP caucus. A Republican from ERAF who voted uh, today to override the veto, but he's been very critical of it over the last several uh, weeks. And uh, you've, you've really had, uh, you know, leading up to the Clay Higgins uh, statement is actually Miguez who acknowledged on social media that Clay Higgins, that Clay Higgins was unhappy and that eventually led media to, re I think it was Greg Hilburn, reached out to Higgins and, and Higgins gave a statement to him. Uh, but Miguez did ultimately vote to override the veto today because that Republican message of standing against the governor was more important than this squabble, which I think is actually good on Miguez's part. But it's a fight that could have been avoided. Again, it was Sheck Snyder who pulled the bait and switch, who pulled his own map into the fray. And that that's what the fight became over. But here's Miguez's statement today. After weighing my concerns with the current version of the bill against the reasons stated in the veto message, I ultimately decided to vote to override. This was the better choice of the options presented to maintain the continuity of representation among the congressional districts. I am proud of the Republican delegation for coming together with a bipartisan team of legislative members to do what was in the best interest of the state. So Miguez is here being a team player. But the problem, it seems, is that Republican leadership are not the team players here. I mean, like uh, like Scott McKay said in the last segment, you've got Stuart Cathy out of Monroe who's out there saying Miguez should be removed from uh, being the caucus chair because he was publicly against this map. The map was not Miguez's fault. The disgruntled nature of the, the, the disgruntlement that Republicans have against this map is not Miguez's fault. It's Sheck Snyder's fault. Sheck Snyder didn't have to create this fight. That's what's so mind boggling to me right now. I mentioned it in the last segment, asking Scott McKay about it. I'm not sure that Republicans want to be in power at this point. For only the second time in history, the state legislature held a veto override session. For the first time in history, not only did that veto override session actually produce a veto override, but it's the first time a GOP majority, supermajority, got together to override a Democratic governor's veto. Sheck Snyder pulled a fast one by swapping out the Sharon Hewitt map with his own map. OK, if you listen to Moon Grafon's show this morning, I think Moon hit an interesting theory here. Sheck Snyder wants to run for higher office. He's termed out. Don't know if he wants to go over to the Senate. Don't know if he wants to be lieutenant governor. Don't know if he wants to be commissioner of agriculture, whatever it is. Whatever it is, he wanted his name attached to a victory. That's what Moon was saying this morning. I don't disagree with the theory. Sheck Snyder wanted to put his bill before the governor and have that fight and win that fight so that he could go into a, a whatever election it is next year saying, I fought the governor and I won. It was my bill. And he can campaign on that. 
but it's a fight he didn't need to pick. He could still say, I stood against the governor. I led the Republicans to stopping a, a Democratic governor from forcing uh, a, a bad congressional situation on our hands or whatever his talking point could be. He could have still done that, but his name wasn't on a piece of paper, and that's what he wanted. I don't disagree with that theory. He was elected to the position he's in now with the help of Democrats because a good number of Republicans didn't want him there. Let's not forget that. He chose to pick this fight, so discord among his own party as a result, and now there's infighting among Republicans. You have some congressmen who are angry at one other congressman. You have some legislators who are mad at other legislators. Meanwhile, you also have Bill Cassidy who's sitting up on his throne in Washington, D.C., looking around saying, you know what? Maybe I want to run for governor, and the rest of Louisiana is going to slap him in the face on that harder than Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. But he has basically slapped the rest of Louisiana in the face with, his, with several actions of his recently. I don't know if the Republicans actually want to win in Louisiana anymore. I don't know if Republicans actually want to be in charge of not just the legislature, but also the governor's mansion. I really don't. Because it's much easier to sit in your comfortable legislative seat and let the status quo be the status quo than it is to actually have to put the work in to get stuff done because your voters expect it of you. Some of the issues that Republicans can and should fight for, eliminating the income tax in Louisiana, which makes us competitive with other states in the region. Opening up school choice, whether it's a voucher, whether it's more vouchers, whether it's sending money directly to the families instead of the schools, whatever it is. Opening up school choice is a clear issue winner. You can fight to re-energize the oil and gas industry in Louisiana. You can actually work on infrastructure in Louisiana without having to raise our taxes for it. You can actually create a balanced budget that isn't dependent on federal money every year. You can do that. But as long as they control just the legislature, they don't have to worry about that actual fight. They can just have the paper fights. They can just throw paper balls at each other back and forth between them and the governor's mansion and say, well, we're doing our best. And there's John Bell Edwards. There's a Democrat there to veto it. Does Clay Schechtsnyder actually want to be in some sort of leadership role if there's a Republican governor? Doubt it. Then real work has to be done. And it's not just the Republicans, mind you. It's the Democrats, too. I want to talk some national stuff when we get back from this break. 232-1542 if you want to call in and talk about what's going on in Baton Rouge or Washington, D.C., We'll have some more on that here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Just looking at the radar, uh, looking at the future cast of the radar, so kind of seeing what we can expect these storms to do uh, over the next 30 or so minutes. Uh, right now, that that orange and even red band is is passing, is getting right up to us as we speak. Uh, as we've watched this show progress, Mark and I have both looked out the window and, and noticed it looks like it's about 
7.30 in the evening right now. It is very, very dark. It looks like the wind has calmed down a little bit, but that, I think, is just a calm before the storm, so to speak. But it's about to get ugly out there, so please, uh, if you're on the roads, get to your destination as quick as possible without breaking traffic laws and uh, seek some shelter because it's looking like it's going to be bad. 232-1542 if you want to call in. Now, it's not just the Republicans that I'm starting to think actually don't want to be in power anymore. Let's look at what's happening nationally. Nationally, you have the Biden administration who today they've repealed the Title 42 provision that sends immigrants from Mexico back to Mexico due to the COVID pandemic. Back in March of 2020, the Trump administration was actually a novel interpretation of Title 42. Title 42 says that the Surgeon General can make some of the can can make decisions on uh can can make decisions about national security based on uh on uh global health uh events and things like that. Um and the Trump administration used that, interpreted that to shut off immigration at the border. So Title 42 was used to keep Mexican immigrants from coming across the border. They would run the uh they would run, they'd process them, and send them back to Mexico due to COVID-19. Well, as much as Anthony Fauci and the CDC and the Biden administration still want to tell us that the COVID pandemic is going on, they're also repealing that interpretation of Title 42, which means we can expect, and Homeland Security already is expecting an influx of immigrants at the border, people trying to cross the border, a huge influx of them. We already have containment facilities that are overflowing. We already have overworked, overstressed, and far outnumbered DHS patrol guards on the border. Combine all this with the political situation. You had Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly, both senators from Arizona. Kelly, being a vulnerable senator in Arizona, up for re-election this year, write a letter to the Biden administration saying, hey, look, we don't think Homeland Security has a system in place that can handle the influx we're expecting to see. And Mark Kelly sitting there in the back of his mind thinking, oh, my Jesus, they're going to make immigration a key issue in this state right ahead of my reelection campaign. And Mark Kelly's furious about this. And Kirsten Sinema was not happy either. Republicans are furious because it's going to cause a humanitarian crisis at our border. The Biden administration wants to raise $1 trillion in taxes. Joe Manchin's come out and said, I don't like this quote-unquote billionaire tax you're trying to throw out there. I don't like that at all. But the Biden administration apparently doesn't actually want a Democratic uh, Congress going forward because it's much easier, again, to blame the other side when they uh, stop whatever you're trying to do. And the Republicans will effectively shut down the Biden administration's policies as they take control of at least the House, if not the Senate. The Biden administration is going full progressive. Damn the consequences in 2022. It's like they don't even care about it anymore. They Weeks ago, I told you they were governing, governing by polling. They were taking what was polling and they were uh, changing their policies based on what the polling said. Now they don't care. Now they're going full-blown progressive.
there was a report in Politico several weeks back where the progressives were pushing the Biden administration to start doing everything via executive power, not worry about congressional power. And it looks like the Biden administration is going with it. But that is a, that's going to be a problem here. That's going to be an issue for the Republican, for the Democrats going forward. They're going to lose the House and probably the Senate. That's the way things stand right now. But they don't care because it's much easier to complain about the Republicans than to actually govern. I don't think the Biden administration actually wants to be in power much either. I think Biden's tired, frankly. But we're run by two parties here in the state and nationally. We're run by two parties that really get their jollies by complaining about the other side rather than doing the work. And I know that's not in, I know that's not every every politician out there. Uh, there are several good politicians here in the state and nationally. But the parties in general, the leadership of the parties in general, really seem to be, uh, you know, just punting on doing the actual work that needs to be done to benefit the citizens of our state and country. <sighs> Sorry, that rant. Uh, I had to get that one off my chest because it's been irritating me all day. Just the the veto override stuff has been irritating because, again, it was a fight that didn't need to be picked. But here we are with this fight. And we're at the point where we get a victory, but at what cost? And I'm not sure what that cost is. You know, talking with Scott McKay in that uh, second segment today, we don't know what the cost was of getting those independents to our side. We don't know what promises had to be made. And some of those promises may not be very palatable to us in the future, but they're promises that we had to make in order to get this across the finish line. All because the Republican Party in the state could not come up with a decent candidate for governor. And here comes the rain. I can hear it now on our roof. If you look outside the window, I think we can see that the floodgates are bursting. Y'all, I can only say to be careful out there. Looking at the map again, looking at the radar, we've got um, a pretty dark red splotch in there. Some, some red and some deep oranges on that radar. It is blowing through the area. Now it will continue to blow through. We're going to be looking at uh, high, you know, severe weather right now, and it's going to rain for probably another hour or two here in the Lafayette and Acadiana area. Y'all be careful out there. We, all, we do have several warnings in effect, a severe, uh, a severe storm risk. We've got high wind warnings. We've got a tornado watch that is in effect until 7 p.m. tonight. We've got lightning alerts currently uh, going through about 4.30 today. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, please be careful. In fact, let me uh, just real quick, let's look and see. Um, well, we've got some alerts for grass fire, but I don't think that's going to be a problem much longer. Um, but we've got vehicle accidents, traffic signal malfunctions, all this going on. Y'all be careful out there in these storms. This is Joe Cunningham. Catch me on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and catch the podcast version of the show on Apple and Spotify. And I'll talk to you guys again in 23 hours.